In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, an outdoor enthusiast, or a, it says here, a tall comedy icon with flowing ginger locks and a love of American history. Hey, that's me! Oh, okay. I think it's me. Flowing ginger locks? No, they went too far. Anyway, whatever you are, you'll (laughs) find, that's the part you objected to was the locks. You'll find what you came for in Williamsburg, Virginia, from roller coasters and water parks to hiking and kayaking. Williamsburg is great for thrill seekers of all kinds. If you want that thrill, it's also one of the East's premier golf destinations and a city with an emerging food scene to satiate any appetite. I like food. Yeah. You know, I say for your next vacation, visit Williamsburg. Just do it. What are you thinking? Come on. At Sport Clips Haircuts, they hairdo like no one else hair does. Yup, I just said that. I didn't read ahead. That's because not only is it the home of champion haircuts, they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game, and it should be. With MVP haircut experience, your haircut gets turned up a notch. That's because the MVP is more than just a haircut. It's a spa day for your hair follicles. It's a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel. Oh, well, a steady stream of sports plays on television. Man, my testosterone is coming out my ears. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. Man, what a claim. It's a game changer. Hi, my name is Brian Cranston. And I feel stimulated to being on, to being, to about being, I just can't say it. I think you just couldn't get beyond stimulated. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Hey, Conan O'Brien here. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Sitting here with Sonam Obsessian. Hi. You were staring very intently at your glass of water. I don't I, know. I was trying not to be loud about it. I feel like I'm very like loud when I do things, so I'm trying to be very gentle. No, but you were down and you were staring into the glass and kind of a. I don't. Know, I zoned. Out. I think I zoned out. For I think it. you completely zoned out. I don't even think you realized you were in studio. <laughs> and uh, and how are you, Matt Gorley? I'm fine. Oh, he's just staring at a pen. <laughs> Guys, we've got to be on the ball. People listen to this podcast because of our razor sharp repartee. They do? And all No. No. Wait, I forgot what we did. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not for that reason. What about all the research we do before each podcast? You all the prep, the meetings, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about what we're going to say. You know, it'd be really funny if we revealed that we met for a whole day beforehand <laughs> and worked out in great detail 
the f- the nonsense that we were going to discuss. It's all like scripted. Oh, it's all and, and it's all meticulous, meticulously laid out, and it's storyboarded. It's <laughs> yeah. storyboarded, and then there are little moments where you're supposed to say, "Yeah, I'd buy that with an onion," you know, and then uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Will you say that line? Yeah, I'd, like I'd buy that with an onion. Yeah. Hmm. Then we get another take. That's pretty good. Was it? Yeah. We also hire actors so we can watch this thing ahead of time and make notes and changes. You know what this is becoming? It's a lot like uh, Nathan Fielder. Yeah. uh, His show. Oh, yeah. The rehearsal. rehearsal, um, I'm a huge Nathan Fielder fan and I would love it. I would love to see him hire actors to listen to a lot of our podcasts (laughs) and then uh, try and recreate us talking. And then, of course, Nathan's there with his... (laughs) His his pad of paper, or his notebook, amazing. yeah, or his his computer, studying, trying to crack the great mystery yeah. that is three idiots. Yeah, <laughs> basically killing some time. That's true. I mean, I don't, I, I would not work well if we had to plan anything, though. If we actually like sat down and thought about the things that we were going to say, I don't think I could. I'd I'd walk out. You're pretty chill. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you a chill mom? Because I've known you for a long time. Yeah. And then you uh, you have these uh, beautiful boys now, these twin boys, Mikey and Charlie. And I'm wondering, give us a read on what kind of mom you are. Are you a mom who's like, it's all good? So yeah, they I so am. we ate a gummy. What's the big deal? Oh, God. No, <laughs> no. I am. I am a very, like, you know, let them live and explore. And, like, that's their journey. That's the highway. They should walk around it and take a look at stuff. You know, there are lines. Like, you know, I don't let them walk into oncoming traffic, if that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, the point is keep them alive. Yep. But I'm not like, ooh, they dropped they dropped this. I must wash it thoroughly with soap and water. And, well, who you are you know. doing? I don't think, uh, Gorley? I mean, you I might know. be that kind of guy. Are you that guy? You're not that guy. No, I, I think Amanda's a little more chill than me for those things. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a helicopter parent. We let our kid kind of ping off the walls like a Roomba. Yeah. 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 Are you? I'm not, but my wife has hired private detectives. <laughs> Lots of them. For your kids? Wait, for what? The, yeah, just to follow our kids around really? and make sure. Oh, yeah. okay. She's always getting reports. You're worried that they're cheating on you with other parents? Yeah. <laughs> There's pictures of them meeting with these other parents who actually look them in the eye when they talk to him oh. and, and don't discuss their career in show business. <laughs> Ad nauseum. <laughs> they look, frankly, they look very happy. They look in these very photos. happy. They go there. They all eat a nice, lovely meal together. <laughs> and the father asks them about them. Doesn't seem to monologue incessantly about his podcast and his oh. next move in the business. We're clearly your new children. Then. Yeah. yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking, I know what that's like. Have yeah. you really never been like, hey, guys, watch this sketch I did. That was really funny. No, that was never? not good. Really? Because well. you just did that to us earlier today. <laughs> no, you guys are different. Oh, OK. You work for me. You have to do. Okay. And you're going to watch more. Eduardo, cue up 75 sketches I worked on for SNL (laughs) that are at best a B or a B plus. But what if they're like, oh, my God, I love Brad Pitt. You're like, well, I did a bit with him years ago during late night. Here it is. Look how cool I am. No, they would. They they're not. And I and this is I shout out. I mean, I, I really love my kids for this. They're I think on some deep, deep, deep level that could only be found on an MRI. Uh, proud of me, <laughs> but, oh. but, or, you know, they think, okay, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's paying the rent. Good for him. Um, <laughs> you guys are renting, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> too bad. I made some, 
Bad investments. Anyway, uh, I can make it. I just can't hold on to it. I love the ponies. I'm always at the track. Uh, be great if you saw me every week at the track, Santa and I'm Anita. always walking out at Santa Anita, and I'm always tearing up tickets angrily, and I'm wearing a rumpled shirt and a crappy pork pie hat. That's what I pictured. That's yeah. exactly what I pictured. Yeah, and I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just mad. I'm I was there. Two dollars a race. Yeah, two dollars a race, <laughs> and then just chewing out someone who gave me the bum tip, screaming at jockeys when they're trying to get to their car. <laughs> Oh, the horse had gone faster. They'd put a bank safe in the saddle. <laughs> sure, we really don't need to take this abuse. Yeah, so that's that's me. That's me. Uh, no, but I, I, yeah, I give them a lot of credit because they, 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 they are not. They are certainly not sycophants about my work, which is really nice. That's nice. Yeah. I, you know, you've, but you've done like. I mean, you're. I know Beckett's into The Simpsons. Like you've probably shown him. Like the monorail episode. Well, I didn't. That was nice because he found that on his own. Oh, okay. So he just was into The Simpsons, and I didn't really say anything about it. And then I think one day, but did he, he know saw my you name? Had, he didn't know. Oh, that's I think amazing. He might have known, but it's it's interesting. I, he found The Simpsons pretty young, and it's not. I, I I don't walk around saying, you know what I used to do, because my wife won't allow it. <laughs> not because I don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, she really. I can't wait for my daughter to find my James Bond podcasts and really be floored. <laughs> oh my god! I hope she will be though. No, <laughs> she will be. No. There's a certain age where they're proud of you because you're the only parent they had. You know <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, but sooner or later, By my default? kids are my kids are just going to have to go. That's the dad we got. You go to war with the army you got. Exactly. Exactly. That's the dad we were handed by a cruel, arbitrary God. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll, then they'll find little things about me that were, you know, that were okay. So yeah, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah, they will. Of course they will. Yeah. yeah, What are we talking about here? I don't know. Mm. I think they will. I don't know. I don't want my kids to see or do anything that I've Well, you wrote a book uh, about pretty much where you laid bare your your work ethic and some of your misadventures. What about when your kids find that book? I know. And then like, you know. World's Worst Assistant by Sonam Obsession. Available in bookstores everywhere, you know. New York Times. It's a New York uh, Times bestseller. You know, you can get it for the holidays or this after the holidays. You could have gotten it for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you got it for the yeah. holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, but the point is, how do you feel about the day when Mikey and Charlie are walking through a bookstore and they see that book? Because it'll be in print well, as long as Catch-22 by I, Joseph Heller. Okay, no, it won't. But I think there's going to be, like, you know, there's me talking about weed and dating boys, but by then they might not even care about that stuff. That's a whole different generation. There'll be no dating in the future, I think. It's going to be, everyone's going to just sort of, I think sexes are going away. I think we're all just going to be, and and sex is going to go away. We're just going to replicate using various machines. Are you talking about your own life? What what is this? Are you projecting? Jesus Christ. Yeah, and we're going to get real depressed. (laughs) And we're going to watch our old stuff from the 90s alone. (laughs) Because your kids you know, won't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're sitting next to a young Andy Richter. Wait, this isn't me. I'm talking in broad general terms about what's going to happen to civilization as we go forward. You know, you're going to start taking those pills you found in the park. Anyway, we got to get going.
we got a lot of show today. Yeah. Can't be babbling on like this when we have a man of this stature here. Right. I know. He's cool. Yeah. We'll just say, yeah, he too is cool. No, he is. He, now he, now he's, he's cool. cool. Now that guy's cool. Now that guy can yeah. happily show his kids yeah. what he's done. I bet you they're know, just and clamoring not, no, you're right. to see what yeah. he's he done. He is yeah. also yeah. cool. He is. No, that's not. Well, now you're not that listening. Guy. You're not no. listening. Anyway, um, you know, my guest today is an Emmy and Tony Award-winning actor. Hmm. Oh, okay. So he's got an Emmy and a Tony. He's an it. A what? <laughs> He's an he's an it. <laughs> what happens when? What do you do an agit when you have everything? Egot. Egot. Does that include uh, Latin Grammys? <laughs> I think so. Well, maybe. I mean, it's a Grammy. Yeah. My guest today is an Emmy and Tony Award-winning actor who played Walter White on the AMC series Breaking Bad. I think I just gave it away. Now you can see him in the second season of the critically acclaimed Showtime series Your Honor. Thrilled. He's with us today. <laughs> Brian Cranston, welcome. Once you said stimulated, uh, the yeah. whole atmosphere yeah. in the room changed. Yeah, steamy. Yeah. Steamy. It's a steamy. <laughs> steamy stim. Steamy stimulation for Brian Cranston. Conan O'Brien's friend. Yeah. Uh, I think no that's well, Conan O'Brien's friend. That's where I stumbled. Oh. Cruel. No. Yeah, cruel and unnecessary. <laughs> no. A man of your stature. No, because I haven't entered into the pantheon of, of that. <laughs> My great of friends. Brethren, yes. Like Sona and Matt. Yes. <laughs> what Wait. does that mean? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Towering figures? <laughs> and we're not your friends. Let's be oh, clear. Wow. Well, you're paid to be my friends. <laughs> like a hooker. Oh. oh wait. It's a similar what relationship. Is this is yeah. Adam's like the pimp. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's true. God. I mean, it's uh, look, it's the world's oldest profession. Mm. Oh, so I'm told. Yes, we never had any experience. You didn't. I did. You did? Yeah. Let's get into it. Brian Cranston, you were with a uh, lady of the evening once, huh? Yes, I was uh, a virgin, mm -hmm. and I was traveling with a bunch of friends in Europe. Mm -hmm. I was 16 years old. Good God. And uh, it was the thing to do. And I, I was actually looking forward to it. Huh. And nervous as hell. Of course. I'm 16. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of friends who we were out together and it's like, we're going to do this. Let's go. Let's go. And I go, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, God. And we go to this, uh, the red light district in Salzburg, Austria. Whoa. Okay. And uh, my two older friends, they were about a year and a half older than me. And they're going in and I, and I start to get cold feet. And, and I said, I, I don't think I brought enough money. I don't think I, and I have enough. <laughs> Uh, Austrian francs to be able to, to make this transaction. Uh -huh. Sure. And uh, and they they both made their deals and they went upstairs. And I said, no, I, 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 I don't have the money or trying to indicate in the universal language. Right. Don't have it or whatever. And I sat down in the foyer and then this woman came up to me and everyone's older than you when you're 16. Yes. I could not tell you how old she was. She came up and she goes, uh, indicated my pockets. I go, oh, no, no, see, I, uh, and she said, and I went, no, no, see, I'll show you that I don't have enough. See, that's just not, I, like, this is nothing. This is not, and she grabbed the money and grabbed my hands and, ah, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my Lord. And I went, 
oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is happening, this is happening, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And we go into this room, uh, there's a, a single bed, there's a sink, and a trash can. Oh. That's it. Oh, Jesus. I, so I had this, and she goes, you know, she points to my clothes like, eh, you know, like this. She's preparing herself. Man, she really sets the mood. Oh, my God. Yeah. My penis would be up inside my body at this point. It would have retracted into my left lung. It'd have its little arms crossed. Yeah. Oh. oh, you are a woman. You are a woman. No, I swear. I swear. Uh, yeah, so then I had to stand up while taking my clothes off, and I put it on a hook, and she goes, oh, oh, come on. You know, and, and uh, I knew, I, I, it was like, my God, I, I was so nervous that I didn't really feel anything. I was just, uh, my brain was on fire. And at one point, I thought, oh, I should, I should touch her breast. <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> and it, and I, and it's I, like defusing a bomb. Don't touch the wrong one. Not, clip the red wire, not the blue one. <laughs> and, and it was, it was like, which one should I touch? I don't, I, I don't know. And so I just touched one of her breasts and all of a sudden I just felt her hand slap mine. Wow. Oh. Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just she slapped my hand. Oh my god. To take my hand off her breast. Uh so uh yeah, because that was out of bounds. You didn't you would, pay enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's exactly right. That's yeah. probably it. Like I, no, no, no. You get this McDonald's meal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't get the extra large fries and you don't get the shake. Right. Yeah. yeah, and there's no prize. Yeah. <laughs> None. So uh the deed was done. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. 16. Yeah. And then, of course, out I go. And my friends were coming down the stairs. And, of course, I was smoking my imaginary cigarette. <laughs> How was yours? You know? But I say that it's like it, it, it's, it was a, a traumatic and a great, exhilarating, um, memorable experience, man. It was it was a seminal moment in, in a in a person's life when they lose their virginity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going back to Austria every day. <laughs> I know. I'm Brian, I'm looking here. It says that you've shot your last seven movies in Austria in yeah, Salzburg. It's such a beautiful place though, Conan. It really, and the exchange rate is really good. Very talented crews. Yeah. You're often seen with a now one hundred and ten year old woman <laughs> Listen. walking hand in hand in the marketplace. Please don't address Heidi that way. She is very sensitive. <laughs> Heidi Redbreast? <laughs> I've seen her. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. You know what I loved about that? We were just starting to chat. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't get us there. There was some joke. And then we Bri- were called prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is a really funny joke. Yeah. And then uh, Brian just like, well. You're going to drag it out of me. I was one of the Watergate co-conspirators. What? Well, you know, you are, I mean, my hat's off to you because you are, you're adventurous. I think if you were, if you were in in Europe in 16, I wasn't traveling around Europe when I was 16 years old and taking chances like that. I mean, was this always you? This is who you were? Yeah, I, I was born and raised in a suburb of L.A., and uh, we didn't have any money. As a matter of fact, when I was 12, 
they posted a sign on our door for eviction because we yeah. couldn't pay our mortgage. And we had a, my parents had a very nasty separation. And I think it propelled me into high gear. If you were lulled into a nice environment and loving parents and everything, you can kind of take your time growing up. Yep. And I think it was like, now, do it now. You you need to pay attention because all hell is breaking loose all around you. And so you're kind of hyper aware of things yeah. and still making tremendous amount of mistakes. Uh, but you're making you're making them. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about you today. I'm obviously very excited that you were going to come in and, and talk because every time I talk to you, is it's a joy. But there was this quote that I came across that really resonates with me, and I'm sure you've heard it, but it's Aaron Paul. And he said that you're uh, one of the most professional people he's ever worked with, but you're also the most immature person he's ever worked <laughs> with. And I thought... There is something about you that beautifully is able to contain both. And I believe that. I like to think that I'm professional. I'm also uh, a complete fool. Uh-huh. And somehow I think it's possible to contain the, the two at yeah. the same time. Is that making sense to you? I think so. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can be sincere and have uh, the things you want to set up in your life and en- enjoy it. Don't take it too seriously. Don't feel you're, you're entitled to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very lucky. And I think if you flow with that, you get a chance to have fun and goof around. But I think, you know, I, th- I think it, it, it depends on, on how you were raised and the, the, the principles that you stand by, you know, mm-hmm. I really do. I think it's, you know, I tell actors all the time, uh, for, get your personal life in order. If you really want to be an actor, you have to get your personal life in order so that you don't flake out. If you get your first job and you have a nice big paycheck, don't go blow it on something. Put it away so that the it, the more it will sustain you. Yeah, so, yeah. So the longer you can um, uh, be an actor, you know, and, and make a living at That's it. That's so fascinating because I think there are probably a lot of young actors out there that think the other way. They think there are people that think. In order to be a great artist, I must act like a maniac because the tail wags the dog. Well, it doesn't. No. You know, you just need to be good at what you do, at your craft. You need to keep it together. But I think there are a lot of people that that think, that don't think that way. You no, know what I mean? That think, um, yeah, I'm in my 20s. I'm starting to make some money. Uh, gravity is starting to lift. Everyone's treating me really nicely. Uh, it's time to fuck up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's like, especially with, with men, men are just boys with that can shave, uh, uh, because, wow. Wow. You really, I'm going to take that one on the road. Yeah. You you really got to Sona on that one. Sona, how's the marriage? It's great. It's so funny. Yeah. It was true because, because we're, we're very, uh, we're stimulated physically. We see a car. Oh my God. Look at that car. Yeah. We see a, a beautiful person, male or female, is oh wow, look at that. Look at these things, look at the gadgets, look at and we 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 sometimes act upon it. Uh we look at a as a boy, oh I want that chocolate, I want that thing, I want and as men you have to look at it and go, I want that chocolate, but if I grab that chocolate, I'm going to feel such and such afterward. I want that woman, but I am married and I need to not do that. You know, you have to think of consequences behind every decision. That's basically the difference between a man and a boy. 
Yeah. It's funny because I'm, I know that I, uh, I've known Bob Odenkirk forever, and he gives you a lot of credit for helping him when he was starting out uh, in his role on Breaking Bad. And he said that you were very good at telling him, you got to know your lines, you got to hit your mark, you got to do the work beforehand. And that was your introduction to acting for him was you got to get your shit together before you go out there. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I've heard all kinds of stories over the years in this business, mostly behind the scenes about very well-known actors that don't do that. They, they don't know their lines. You'd be surprised. Yes. And yeah. uh, they're, you know, they're hanging out in their trailer for a while and not, they're not just doing the work. And I think uh, one of the times that we spoke, you talked, you had so much pride in the fact that you've been a working actor really your entire life, for the most part of your life. And, it, and it's such a nice way to break it down because we can all get existential about our career or where are we now. You're working, you're working, you're making things, you're, you're paying your mortgage. It's, it's a great way to, I think, kind of simplify it. Well, look, at you, you, if you're lucky enough to be in a business that you love to do, a creative one, mm -hmm. and you make a living, I don't want to hear a complaint out of you. Exactly. I don't want to hear that you are you have to be here at six o'clock in the morning. We're acting. Look at us. So every job that I work on where I lead the cast, I try to set that example so that I, I don't want to hear any complaints from anyone. Mm -hmm. There's enough artistic frustration within. A, a joke's not landing. This is not working. Oh, we, re, we need to recast because this didn't work out or some, you know, there's enough problems to deal with. You should not be dealing with any kind of problems of, I, I don't want to be here that early, or how late, late do we have to stay, or some actors who don't want to be off camera for another actor. It's like, I, I started that when I was really young. Jennifer O'Neill, do you remember Jennifer mm -hmm. O'Neill? Sure. Summer of 42, beautiful, yeah. beautiful woman. And I, I did a, I was a guest star on, on a show that she did called Cover Up. Was it Cover Up? I think it was. And... Uh, I had this big emotional scene. It was the denouement. It was the, here it was, here's what happened, and here's why it happened, and how it happened. And, and it's with her. And we came back from lunch, and the director said, um, Jennifer is still uh, having lunch with someone in, in the commissary. So we'll just do your, your side of it now with, with the script supervisor reading it off camera. Right. And, I, and I said, it's a, this is a big scene. I wouldn't mind if it was uh, just a couple little lines and not a big deal, not an emotional thing. Meh, but this is a big deal, so I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think we should wow. do that. Yeah. Wow. And they said, excuse me? I said, no, I, I think we'll, we'll, we should wait for her then, don't you think? And they said, uh, well, you know, I don't know if we should. And I said, no, I think it's important enough to wait for her to get to get this right. And so they had to wait for her. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you had, again, this is a testament to you're very young at this point. You haven't yeah. made it. No, I was you 27. Don't, you're, you're not Brian Cranston yet. No. You're an early form of Brian Cranston. <laughs> uh, you're the beta. And, uh, <laughs> and to say that, because I, I haven't done much work in that world, but what little I've done, it's immediately clear that, you know, they shoot you and you're seen 
where you're yelling at me mm-hmm. and then they turn around and they shoot me getting yelled at by you. And if you're out for that scene and they're just <laughs> hanging a tennis ball there yeah. and saying, pretend the tennis ball is Brian, it's very hard to, to do your, your thing. Not really, because I pro- that tennis ball probably gives you as um, as much emotion as I would give you, <laughs> <laughs> and as much respect. And so I practiced this whole interview with a tennis ball, <laughs> and it, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, but oh. we're not speaking anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, tennis ball is filing a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> Canceled by a tennis That's ball. Right. Um, that would be the lowest. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. If you work in B2B, this one's for you. Yep, no one knows what you do, but fortunately, LinkedIn has the people who do. I'm talking about LinkedIn ads. It's a B2B ad platform that's business to business. There it is. Yep, and it's also a boy band I almost started. <laughs> and it's a, biz- it's a platform that allows companies to advertise their products or services. You can target professionals by title, function, industry, and more. Generate leads, drive website traffic, and build brands awareness with LinkedIn ads. Business-to-business advertising is about reaching the right people, and LinkedIn has over, get this, 70 million decision makers on their platform. Yep, with LinkedIn ads, you can reach the people who really need to know what you do. Now listen, it gets even better too because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. That's not bad. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. 
The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. You know, it's so funny because you've done so much work, obviously uh, Breaking Bad and uh, the work you're doing on Your Honor and you've done, I saw you on Broadway as, as Lennon Johnson uh, and, and you killed it and it was just, so you've, you've sort of conquered all these different worlds and I always go back to, it's funny, every now and then I, I run into a Malcolm in the Middle and you're, it's one of the funniest performances I've seen on television, uh, you as Hal. And it's a very particular kind of uh, almost cartoonish energy. I'm not even going to say almost, uh, that you're bringing to that role. And there are so many little ticks, but the physicality of it is absolutely hilarious. Thanks. And so I, I came to that show later. I think when Malcolm in the Middle was was really you know hitting on all cylinders, I'm working on the late night show, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, well, that's a family show for kids. I'm not really paying attention. And then I went back and I started seeing some of them later on in reruns, and then I started noticing that there are fans that do like mashups of all of your most amazing sequences. Oh, they do. And I can watch those forever. <laughs> I can watch those forever because I maintain that your shriek as Hal is one of the funniest things <laughs> I've ever seen. And also you run away funnier than anyone in comedy, I think. <laughs> Your runaway is absolutely delightful. Does that make sense to you? Your runaway? Wanna see it? <laughs> there are so many scenes where Hal is up against it and you're you decide to run away and uh, you, know, you you do this thing where every part of your body is moving kind of incorrectly. Yeah. It's like there's 35 cats inside a person suit trying yeah. to run away. And it is so hilarious. That's the kind of stuff I think physical comedy, when people can nail that, I think you're in a... Uh, just a, a high stratosphere that most people don't get to experience. And I just, I, I can watch that stuff forever. I really well, that can. was, that was an interesting uh, job for me because everything else was cast. The entire family was already cast and they couldn't find the dad in the pilot episode. I think I have three or four lines and that's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to find the core of every character that I do. I look for what's at the emotional center of this person. And I'm looking for different ways. And I finally come, came across it and I realized, oh, well, just keep this simple. I, I wrote down all the qualities that the Jane Kaczmarek character who played Lois mm -hmm. had. Fierce, tough, resilient. And I go, oh, fierce 
a wimp, tough, <laughs> soft, <laughs> resilient, you know, give cracks, cracks immediately. immediately. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I start, I, I just went just the complete opposite. And one of the, that I came to is her, her was fearless. And I went, oh, he's frightened. That's it. He's frightened of everything. And so once I grabbed onto that, everything in his life, he's frightened about being fired, about being a bad parent, about, uh, you know, his wife leaving him, mm -hmm. about, you know, about spiders, about heights, about it's like, <laughs> you know, he's frightened about everything. And from that point, everything kind of grew. And where did the him. shriek come from? Because it's... Ah! <laughs> so much fun. There was a sequence I saw once where... <laughs> You've gotten into what is it called? Race walking? Yes. You've gotten into race walking and you think someone else is more jogging than race walking. One of your te teammates or comp competitors yeah. and you accuse him and then he panics and he tries to race walk away and you say, don't worry, I've got this. And you start race walking after him when you could just run. <laughs> and I'm, I look at it and I am not, uh, you know, some people say, well, to really see classic comedy, you need to look back at Chaplin and you need to look at Laurel and Hardy. I think, yes, definitely true. But you, you see it all over the place. You just have to be looking for it. There are people that can do it. Uh, and obviously that was a really great idea. So I give the writers credit, yes. the director, but that character is one of the funniest characters in television, I think. Oh. It still endures, you know, it's so- God, I haven't seen it in ages though. I mean, it's, I, 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 hope, I hope it does. And I, I have new generations of people coming up to me because it plays on Disney Channel, I think. And they, they said, my kids are now watching it. I loved it when I was a kid and now my kids are watching this. And it's like, man, that's good when it can endure. Well, it's also fascinating that you could be Hal and then you can be Walter White. And I know that I think one of the things that, that I always realized is there's great comedy. There's, it's a different kind of comedy. It can be very dark, but there's really funny moments between you and Aaron Paul. There's really funny moments in your life trying to make this transformation, trying to go through this. But if you look at the work that you're doing on Malcolm in the Middle and you're taking it, you're playing way up that end of the neck on the guitar. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the finale of Breaking Bad and you see where you've gone and you think it's impossible to imagine. It's, it's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy range. And, and in this town, most uh, people want to be able to place you as doing something. Oh, Conan, well, he's a comedy guy. And he does- I, nev like I never get that. You never get that. <laughs> <laughs> I get, he's trying really he's hard. Trying really hard. <laughs> uh, and he's well-intentioned. That's what I was been pigeonholed yeah, into. It. No, but exactly, yeah. They want to they pigeonhole you in that. So one, I did seven years of Malcolm in the Middle, mm -hmm. and it was great. And out of that, uh, I had a couple offers to do a sweet, goofy dad on a sitcom right after that. And I thought, uh, how could I do something different at this moment? It, it's so ingrained. I need to completely step away from that world. So easily said no to that. And later that year, uh, same year, uh, I, got a, I got a notice that said, well, you did a, a, an episode of X-Files about nine years ago, before Malcolm in the Middle. And the writer of that episode, Vince Gilligan, would like to see you about this show called Breaking Bad. Do you remember him? I said, no. I don't, 
I don't know. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go audition. And I, and I said, sure. Uh, and, and I read it, and it was just incredible. And what Vince did and what he said he wanted to do at the, at the outset is he wanted to change the main character throughout the course of the series, which has never been done in series television. If right. you look at Archie Bunker or Tony Soprano or whomever, they they are the same people. They react to different stimulus, but they are the same person, whereas Walter White was going to change from a good, honest guy to becoming a killer. Yeah. As, as Vince Gilligan often says, he's a... I just want to see if I can change a guy from Mr. Chips to Scarface. <laughs> they're not going to let me. I know they're just not going to let me do it. But oh, we'll we'll see what it can, we can do. Yeah. He's such a sweet, unassuming guy. Yeah, Vince Gilligan. I've had the uh, the joy of hanging with him a little bit, and you would never sense that he was the creative center of you know the best TV show ever. He doesn't act that way. If I had achieved what he had achieved, I'd be wearing an admiral's hat. <laughs> With epaulets. Epaulets. Your... I'd have epaulets. Yeah. I'd be carried around yes. <laughs> in one of those chairs. Yeah. Uh, I would let everyone know. Uh, but um, it is, it's, really, uh, it's really amazing. And it's, you know, I, it's funny because you've probably heard this from a lot of people. I went back because uh, my son never saw Breaking Bad. He was too young, but we started watching it together. And I went back to the beginning and it's mind-blowing because I know the transition that's gonna happen because I've watched every episode of the show when it was on, but now I'm starting again and I still can't believe it's gonna happen. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? You still think, no, 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 this, <laughs> it's on some level, it's, you're, you know, I don't see how that could possibly happen, yet there's not a false note along the way. And, and you know, it's that old saying that a, a whatever, a, a, a curve is an infinite number of straight lines that it's like, no, it is possible. You just have to make sure that the changes are very subtle and each one has to be earned. Mm -hmm. It has to be earned. And I think that's what's magical about that is everything Walter White does is earned. Yes. And that's the writing. It is the writing. It's, uh, I will always say this because uh, an actor gets inspired through great writing and, and an actor can only perform so much. If an actor got B-level material working at his or her best, I do believe I could get it up a grade level. But if I got C-level material, you're getting a B out of me. That's as, all, that's as far as you can go. Um, it just, it really does take incredible writing. If you get A-level material, you treat it like the holy sh uh, grail. It's like, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, just don't screw this up. You know, just, oh my God. And, and Breaking Bad was like that. You're turning the pages and going, oh my God, I cannot believe he's doing this. Oh my God. And yet it's not an aberration. It, it's something that was set up. If you were attentive to it, it, it does track if you go back and still it's surprising to you. What's it like then these number of years later, and it's hard to believe it's been 
how many years has it been since Breaking Bad? And has it been eight years? You're looking off. You could look at me. Yeah. <laughs> no, have Walter White right here, and you're looking at does, me. Does no one know how? No, Brian, one... wait here. I'm going to try and find out. But wait, I'll be back. But no, no, Conan, I could, I could tell you. I'll head this way. <laughs> how many years has it been? I don't know. God damn you! Damn you! Oh uh, God! Yeah, twenty thirteen. So that's been it's uh, it's it's uh, someone do the math. Nine. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, it depends on when this airs. That's true. Fair. We're holding on to this for a few yeah, years. For a few years. <laughs> I think people need to be ready for this interview. Yeah. Uh, the way it started, they really need to be prepared. <laughs> we need to clear. Yeah, things nine up years so far. Yeah. So, uh, but when you when you go back. As as you've done, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, uh, to to pick up and 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 have these moments uh, in Better Call Saul. Is it does it feel like you're putting on an old suit? Mm -hmm. It does. It feels like that. Yep. It's it's slipping. You know how uh, for an actor when you sit in in the in the chair and you start putting on the makeup and you start looking at it. When I did uh, the HBO movie all the way mm -hmm. where I played LBJ. It took three hours of prosthetic makeup, uh, three hours every morning. And although I used it as my as my preparation into getting into that headspace to play that guy, that big, boisterous, domineering man. Right. And I can see the transformation happening when I'm looking in the mirror and they're applying all the extra nose and the ears and the things and and pretty soon you start talking like this and god damn it get out of here I'm there, hand me a, where's my soda you know and, and start poking people and you get and, and you become that guy it really yeah. helped same thing with even putting on walter white's uh desert boots and his khakis and mm -hmm. his shirt his long sleeve shirt and that you know very very iconic pork pie hat of his mm -hmm. And there he is. And you go, I've, I know what this feels like. And then you kind of, it just kind of helps you slip into that character. That's incredible. That, uh, I mean, and because all this time has gone by and you've done all these other things and the fact that you can access it, which, you know, I imagine is, uh, that's the craft. Well, I imagine, but think if... Uh, for for a, a comedy tour that you did, yeah, and a whole routine, uh, yep. you know, yep. And if someone said, "Remember this," and you go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," and remember this, and remember this, and then you might pick up on it and go, "And then I did this, and I remember that." Yes, and you yeah. start it's it starts ticking away at your brain, and, you, and your memory starts coming back, and you start to be able to recite certain lines from it. You're going to be rusty. Like you are in most of your shows. But, <laughs> you know, first of all, you're not wrong. I'm not going after you for being wrong, but saying it out loud seems cruel and unusual. Luna, I wanted to ask you about that. You're talking about you You had an, a live audience for many, many, many 28 years. 28 years. years. Yeah. 28 years. Mm -hmm. Was it like when you stopped having that live audience, even though it was tiring to yep. get that going all the time? Did it feel like you fell off a cliff? Did it feel like you stumbled a little bit? I, it's funny. My uh, honest, most sincere memory is I knew this needs to stop. And it, uh, I've done this a very long time. I've done every. I've done this every which way I can think of in this specific format. Um, and I still think we're doing some good work. But 
this is a good time to stop it. This is a good time. I, I'd like to um, decide to move out of my home and, and, and move into a condo uh, before they come and take me out. <laughs> and so, you know, but it wasn't even that. It was just this feeling of, so yes, I very much, the only thing I missed, there's a lot I didn't miss, but I missed the daily interaction with writers, comedy writers. Um, but there are other ways to get that, that I can that I can do now. There are other ways to work with creative people without having to do a show every day for an hour. And the other thing I, um, I missed was the audiences, but I found, yeah, my wife will tell you, walk around with Conan and when people stop him and talk to him, I, I do a show for them. <laughs> I do, because I just, and I enjoy it. It's like what I like to do. I'm not, I really try and um, make people happy. So there's another way to do that. So there are all avenues that I'm exploring where I can still get that fix, for lack of a better term, without being part of uh, a machine that's doing that kind of volume business. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, it's funny, I didn't feel the day after our last show, phone rang and I picked it up and it was Bob Newhart. Mm. He just said, I just wanted to congratulate you that was a great run and you did a great job. I was tearing up and crying and I got off the phone and thought, I'm the luckiest person in the world I'm, uh, to get a call from Bob Newhart. Turned out later on it wasn't Bob Newhart. It was, it was me impersonating It Bob. was you and it was a prank that you were doing on a radio show. Uh, it was really funny. Yeah, I listen to it now and, and the Newhart isn't even that good. You're like, hey, hey, Bob Newhart here, see? He did a good job, but I'm so needy that I believe, no. But anyway, you have yeah. those moments where you think um, that was fantastic. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's like you say, you really can't have any complaints in this business. It's when you brought that up, it reminded me of uh, when I first was working in television and I was a writer on Saturday Night Live, there was a, a writer's strike was announced. And I'm so lean and hungry, literally very lean and literally very hungry. <laughs> and I've got this great job and suddenly we're being told you all have to go on the picket line and stand up for the Writers Guild I remember it fought my nature a little bit because I thought, well, I don't want to look like I'm complaining because this is the greatest yeah. thing that ever happened. But I also understood that this was imperative and you got to support the Writers Guild. And this is, so they gave us these signs to hold in the picket line and the logo was a uh, graphic of a manual, like an old 1920s typewriter with a big Ghostbuster slash over it, like we're not going to write. And I was walking around with these signs feeling really self-conscious mm. because people on the picket line, they knew, well, what does a working writer get? You guys get a lot of money, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we do get a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, yeah. So what is this all about? And there were legitimate things, but not that you would explain right. on a picket line. So I remember being like 24 and walking and holding this sign and then being horrified because someone stopped me and said, wait, so you guys are upset that you can't use electric typewriters? <laughs> <laughs> Not fair. And I was like, it's not fair. Why should I use a 1920s Underwood? Uh, but I remembered feeling conflicted about complaining, you know, but of course yeah. these things all have to balance, they out. balance out. They have to balance out and there are things that need to be corrected. But so, my attitude early on very much was, I'll do this for free. 
I just yeah. love being a comedy writer, and you, you know, you're not supposed to say that out loud. <laughs> so now doing the podcast, you still, you know, you have an audience, but you don't hear them. So you just have to imagine that you're connecting in. With but you know, it's nice, and you've seen this, Matt, and I know you've seen it, Sona, because when we walk around, and Paul has seen it, Paula Davis, uh, when we walk around, whether it's in New York City or. Um, so many people come up and they say, I listened to it. I listened to it in COVID. It helped me. Uh, so I'm constantly getting feedback. It's, and it's not, not a, just because you're wearing the sandwich sign, right? It says, please compliment <laughs> says, please me. Compliment. Please, please talk to me. Yeah. Uh, Conan, yeah. yeah. I will pay for compliments. It is. I walk around, I go to the ATM every 10 minutes and I will give people $30 if they say something nice. Because we don't even put this podcast out. We tell you. No, we it's do. like, yeah. This is all for you. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so you, these are actors that you're hiring? Uh, yeah. Incredible. They're, yeah. Ver they're very good. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. Although I was pretty sure I recognized Johnny Depp. <laughs> he needed work. Ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we do some live ones. When we do a live one, they sell out. There's a lot of people there and they're very excited and they know... They know me, but they are like so excited to see Sona. They're so excited to see Matt. They know our rhythms. They know the bit players, anyone who is tangentially involved in any way with the podcast. And so we do get that affirmation, which is really nice. This is fun. Yeah. And you travel You travel with the show around the country a little bit? We've done some, yeah. Some. We've done some shows here in, uh, we fun. just did two shows at the uh, Beacon. Beacon Theater uh, in, in New York City. And... Um, Stephen Colbert did the first one and Tracy Morgan did the second one as surprise guests. And it was just a party, you Fun. know, yeah. with no alcohol or any. <laughs> but alcohol. is that a really a party then? And really no joy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not one laugh. Like a political but, you know, party. kind of a, yeah, yeah. Quiet. Like a Soviet uh, party. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Here's something that you mentioned, Stephen. I was on Stephen's show when I was doing my uh, last Broadway play, Network. I saw that. Oh, you and you sat, sat in my friend Mark's lap because he used to go out in the audience. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. It make, that that just, wasn't part of the show. Out, out of context, oh, no? that yeah. sounds like you sat in my friend's Mark's yeah. lap. He was a, uh, he was a part of the show. prostitute in Europe. Yes. Right. <laughs> he looks great. Uh, yeah. Part of the show was that at, at a certain point I would come down into the audience and I would sit down among them and just have, it was fun. Uh, I went on uh, Stephen's show mm -hmm. and I'm, we're talking about uh, the differences between doing live television and doing theater. And I said, it, it occurred to me at that moment, I said, well, it's interesting because what we do in theater is tell the same story to a new audience. Mm -hmm. You tell a new story to the same audience. Mm -hmm. So it has it still has its it has its responsibilities and difficulties and challenges for for us doing theater, doing hundreds of performances. How do you keep that fresh? How do you keep leaning in? You have to understand and accept not only is it your job and responsibility, but these people who paid good money have not heard this story. Right. So you get to break it to them. And that gives you some juice to go on. And you right. just have to kind of lean in. On, and then you get into a rhythm in your, in your flow with it. I've always thought for myself, uh, because when I look at uh, you, any one of your ilk who's up on a stage owning it at, on a Broadway theater, I always think this would be the, the, the greatest show business feeling in the world. Because, you know, in the world I've worked in, 
and again, I've been extremely lucky, but when I, when I go to a show and I saw Hamilton for the first time and uh, um, John Groff comes out as King George yeah. and he has a very small part, but it's fantastic and he destroys. Yeah. And I remember telling him, I went backstage and I'm you know, talking to uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and I'm talking to the different people and just telling them how much I love the show. Uh, and I, I told John Groff, I was just saying, uh, I, I'm so envious of you because I would love it if there was some time apart from me on Broadway where I get to come out maybe 25 minutes into the show, kill, yeah. absolutely kill, and then go backstage and eat a giant sandwich. <laughs> uh, and people are like, oh, Conan was great. <laughs> yeah, but it's surprising. He's only on stage for six minutes halfway through. But I would make such a, you know, uh, and I'd be a total over the top ham. And I thought, what a, what a joy that would be. And um, what a what an incredibly privileged, selfish thing to ask for. <laughs> Could someone out there please write that? They're still doing Hamilton. Why don't you audition for I that should. role? Audition? No, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Did you say audition? I don't audition. I'm a talk show host. Of course we can just become theater actors overnight. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, one of those crazy stunt castings, but that'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to talk to you about. I I was able through my connections in the biz. Uh, I don't know what biz actually. Yeah, I shouldn't what have said that. Biz. Oh, it's yeah. biz. Podcast biz. No, no, no. It's an accounting firm. Oh. Um, <laughs> I got to watch the uh, opening because I I watched the first season of Your Honor, and uh, I do love it. And then I got to watch the opening uh, show of the second season, which was made available to me. How uh, is that possible? They got it for the me. The biz. Yeah, the biz. They really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's uh, terribly edited. They really rushed it together. <laughs> Just well, dailies. He needs it now. Yeah. <laughs> but that opening scene of where you're, and I don't want to give anything away because it hasn't come out yet, but what your character has gone through, that is that is a memorable scene that the second season opens with. So you're saying something that I can't even comment You on. can't even comment no. on it. I'm just saying- But I understand what you mean. What, what I'm saying to yes. people out there is you need to you need to uh, catch up on your honor if you haven't. And then this this first episode, I thought, which is coming out soon. Very soon. Uh, was riveting. And it's the same thing where, you know, it, it, is, it is a little bit evocative of stuff you've done before where you're starting out in one place and then we're seeing- your character get pulled like a piece of metal to the point where it's a wire and you're, mm. it's quivering and you think, is this gonna break? Is this gonna break at any moment? This it's just really a very descriptive way of putting it. That's I, I like that. You know, I was a metallurgist for a while. <laughs> I guess. I yeah. guess. You and so I'll, they'll tell you. Matt will tell you all my, all my. Uh, you know, whenever I make any kind of illusion at all, it's usually too. It's like when you take copper. Yes, and you pound it, and then you apply, uh, you know, some some cold water. Yeah, he only knows acts metal as, an analogies, yeah. and, and it acts as a conduit to <laughs> to it. Yes. And then you can access other. It's a little like brass. Yeah, uh, <laughs> going yeah, it's, and it's, move it's us. insufferable. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, but kids, study metallurgy, <laughs> and then you can get into comedy. You are the vertebrae of my. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's and, it's fun. It, it, um, the people at Showtime are are just enormously supportive, and and they gave us the tools and the time to be able to create this second season of Your Honor, the way um, 
frankly, I wanted to do it. Yeah. And it's great too, because I my favorite shows are the ones where it's not always clear who I should be rooting for because there's, uh, it's, it's a way that a TV has, I think, improved so much since the TV, you know, when, when we were growing up, television was good guy. Yeah. Uh-oh, the bad guys are coming. It's getting tense. Good guy wins. Credits. Uh, <laughs> and, a- and I think, um, obviously, we've evolved to this place where people that, I understand their motivations. I, I like them but I'm also horrified by what they're yeah. doing. I'm not sure I agree with all these choices, right. but I understand why they're making them. Yeah. And I think uh, that we've come a long way since Happy Days. No knock against Happy Days, but the old formula was nothing can ever change. It was stasis. The Fonz is always yeah. the Fonz, right. Richie's always Richie, and this is how it is. Yeah, and that's the way people find comfort in that. And there are still procedurals that people do find very comfortable. Uh, they are presented with a, a problem that our hero is going to solve by the end of the episode, and they do. I don't particularly find that very entertaining um, because it's so kind of black and white. Yeah. and and But it's the serialized shows that go deep into it. And I think younger generation, the generation now that is coming up graduate from college or whatever, they're far more sophisticated and they demand more uh, in their entertainment. Yeah. And you cannot serve them the same old dish that they had before. They won't take it because there's so many options to them. Yeah. You have to rise to their level of expectations. And we were fed pablum in those in those days. You know, it's like that's that's this is what you have. It's Hawaii Five O. Yeah. It's that driving music and it's like, oh, something exciting is gonna happen. And then it doesn't, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, the other thing is it was uh I mean I sound like a guy describing the Great Depression, but because uh, <laughs> by no stretch of the imagination did I have a difficult childhood, but there were three networks. And so there was very little competition. They were all pretty much making the same stuff. And the third place network was making a, a fortune. I mean, you know, there was yeah. no such thing as losing money because they were the only games. And there's ABC, there's CBS, there's NBC. And then um, it's quite a while later that, that like Fox shows up. But when these, that was it. And so uh, you often watched things because the reception was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm right. getting this channel in. It's pretty. What are you watching? Oh, it's a Catholic mass. <laughs> that's right. You sure you don't want to? No, it looks good though. You know they're doing the communion ceremony, <laughs> yeah. so let's check it out. But the things that we would watch just because it came in, and I I take shit for this sometimes because I'll I I go after the show Chips, but when I watch one of those now. And I'm looking at all the logical flaws. I did an episode of that. Did you really? Of course I did. (sighs) Who were you? And what did you do that that needed the intervention of some motorcycle cops? (laughs) I uh, was a newlywed. And I, and I, and they don't give you much time to create a character. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You were guy on hang glider. They said uh, this this newlywed Southern couple, and so I was talking like this. Yeah, I mean, big. You know, like, baby, come on, baby, let's let's drive fast. You know? <laughs> I love. I've got to see this episode. I know, oh yeah. And um, my so here's the skit. Here's the scandal is that the woman who played my betrothed was a woman 
Kathy Shower, I believe. Mm. And I believe she was like a, a Playboy playmate or a penthouse pet or something like that. Mm-hmm. And boy, Eric Estrada was on her oh, wow. immediately. Of course. <laughs> and it's like, so I rarely saw her. It was like, they were off. Whoa. It was like, Mr. Estrada, we're ready. In a minute, in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless the late 70s and early 80s. What a wonderful time. Oh, my God. I just, I, I, I don't mean to imply that uh, and impugn her, her integrity. No, no, they were going over being. lines. Yes, totally. that's right. Uh, that's hilarious. No, I, but I often use that as an example of that's TV where there's not much competition. That's yeah. how it always felt to me, meaning... What's happening this week? Well, there's some jewel thieves and they operate on the highway. <laughs> Why would they? That's, don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. Yeah, yeah. And then the guys, you know, rather than the FBI getting involved, because this is interstate commerce crime, um, we're going to ask these two motorcycle highway patrolmen <laughs> to crack this ring. It's proximity. They're yeah, just, exa- exactly. They're there. they're there. And so then the next week, it would, you know, they crack that. And then it always ends with the beginning of the show, because I ranted with about this with Bill Burr on the podcast once, so I know I'm repeating myself, but it always, but I have to do this because you're here. It always starts with, there's a disco dan- dance competition in the, you know, policeman's union. Ponch, you going to enter? Guys, I got to. Nah, you shouldn't do it, Ponch. Hey, wait a minute. It's time for the meeting. There's some jewel thieves on the highway. Ponch, John, get on it. They do that, and then at the end of the episode, they're slapping the cuffs. I can't believe you caught us. Hey, Ponch, you better get going. You're right. Well, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman. And Ponch dancing, and everyone's like, yay! Yeah. Freeze frame. <laughs> Freeze frame, right. <laughs> and then next week, it's there's going to be a hang gliding competition uh, with a bunch of bikini-clad girls. Yeah. Uh, but first... Someone stealing Renoir's on the highway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but Bill gets mad because he's like, I love that show. And I'm like, no, Bill. Hey, no. you think that's tough? I met my now wife 35 years ago doing an episode of Airwolf. Oh. Airwolf. Yeah. yeah. So Jan Michael Vincent. Yes. Ernest, Ernest Borgnine. Borgnine. Ernest, you're very good. <laughs> And uh, and the helicopter, yeah, the airwolf. So you're too young to know, but <laughs> that there was this series on CBS that every week it had to involve a helicopter. <laughs> every single climax right. had to deal with a helicopter. Can you imagine, like third season, seventeenth show? Um, the <laughs> helicopter goes under the bridge. No, did that first season, seventh show. <laughs> helicopter. Goes through a drive-thru. Yeah. Goes through a drive-thru. Goes through a, a car wash. And, and, uh, did that second season, third. It's like, uh, how do you do that? Right. And then they always have to, there can be no undercover work or anything <laughs> happening in an interior space. Because what, you, you know, that's not going to work. Yeah. And I think by the la- last later seasons, it'd be a knock at the door and they'd open the door and the helicopter would be there with a mustache on. <laughs> <laughs> trying to go incognito. And and no one recognized that. I am well, not helicopter. Well, who are you? <laughs> I am boat blade. I am boat. <laughs> not airship, but sea ship. He speaks funny. I don't know if I trust him. <laughs> Ignore these blades and powerful turbines. Uh, yeah, that just kills yeah. me. But man, I have to say, I got to do... A little work once with Ernest Borgnine in Another Life. And I was outside my body the whole time because it was Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. 
I mean, this man has an Oscar, but he also, he's in everything. He's in Bad Day at yeah. Black Rock with Spencer Tracy. He's, oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he. And he was a lovely guy. Lovely, yeah. lovely guy. Yeah. Lovely guy. And I, I always, when I see people that come from generations before me, which is less and less frequent as I get into my dotage, but... <laughs> I'm I'm always amazed. I'm just I'm so happy to to see yeah. uh, these old troopers, you know, that are out there. He still. was great. He was great on the show. Uh, Jan uh, Jan was a troubled guy. He had a lot of issues. He had a lot of a lot of demons. Yeah, he was he was always late. Mm -hmm. And we did uh, what's called a poor man's process with the helicopter. So we'd actually be on the ground, and there would be grips who would be actually just shaking the helicopter <laughs> and the cameras would be on the ground looking up and all you see is sky above us through the top. And we were taught, you know, we had the headphones on and things and we're looking down, looking down at the what the city would be and it's just shaking. And Jan, who had insisted on these dark, dark, dark glasses. Yeah. And he would sit there and he knew how to keep his hand on the throttle and the and the steering mm -hmm. portion. And then he would he would reach up and he'd flick a switch up on the ceiling. All the while his eyes are closed. <laughs> he is napping. He's they, napping. They painted eyeballs <laughs> on his glasses. <laughs> yeah. And then and we got that again cut. And then Jen would Oh, just go back to sleep. Yeah. And then part of the thing was it's roll camera and the first AD would, would do a shaking sign to me and I'd go, Jan, Jan. Oh, yeah. Oh it was boy. it was really sad. He had it all and he just didn't know how to handle it. And I think this goes back to what you were saying at the beginning is that you got to get your life in order and don't think that what you're experiencing now, if you have good fortune, that it'll you could do anything that you're you're entitled to to yeah. do anything, you're still a human being. You still have to function. You still have to be kind. Yeah. And problems ensue if you don't follow that. Well, that's as good a place. I'm anyway. Sorry to bring everybody down. No, I thought that was really yeah. nice. I, I I think that's great. I mean, I, I think you should take note. Oh <laughs> yeah. wow. Well, took a shot there. Didn't quite hear what you said. Yeah. I saw your lips moving, and it was something about being kind. <laughs> Doing the work, mm -hmm. and, but I didn't really get it. No, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Oh, God. So, Gorley, would you edit this thing together so it makes some fucking sense? Sure. <laughs> I gotta go buy a lot of cocaine <laughs> in your helicopter. In my helicopter, be great if that. I would love so much. I would love so much if I we had this great talk and then we all broke and you were like, "See you, Conan," and I walk outside our little place in the launch and I got into the helicopter. Like, oh. What a, what a great grounded Conan. Uh, Brian, uh, such a delight to talk to you. Uh, and I always come away invigorated, refreshed, inspired. Uh, I'm proud to know you, seriously. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean Thanks, it. man. So I thank you. It. And Thanks please, for the time. please come back anytime. Please. I mean, please like tomorrow, do. if you can do it. Oh, yo, tomorrow. Uh, I can't do it tomorrow. No, I actually looked into your schedule. You're, oh, I can you're do clear it tomorrow. in the afternoon, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I canceled that podiatrist thing. So. <laughs> Apparently, your feet are a mess. Planofacia. <laughs>
Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Last week, we tried out the Jupe cologne for men mm-hmm. because Tracy Morgan had mentioned it in his live episode at the Beacon Theater. Yes. We had our thoughts, and it ended with you going home smelling like a bucket of jupe yeah. to see what kind of reaction you were going to get. Yes. I wanted, we wanted to test to see what my wife's reaction would be without me saying anything. Mm-hmm. So um, this happened last week. Drove home from the podcast studio to make sure because I had some jupe on me that we applied uh, during the podcast to make sure I got out of my car in the garage and I sprayed underneath the right part of my throat and the left part of my throat and then rubbed it in because I wanted it to be powerful. Um, (laughs) Juper duper. Exactly. So I walk in, I go into the kitchen. My wife's there. And the first thing I wanted to do was give her a big hug so that she would really smell it. So at first I think she was concerned because I was coming in for this big <laughs> hug. And, um, you know, we haven't hugged since I think 2006. <laughs> um, that was, yes, according to the lawyers, it's 2006. Uh, but so I go in for this hug and I think she's a little bit like, huh, okay, all right, I'm getting a big hug from Conan. This is nice. And then I, I intentionally made sure that because I'm taller than her, she's quite tall, but I'm taller than her so that her nose is right up against. And she went, oh. <laughs> you're, and she stepped back and she went, you're wearing a cologne. And she's being very diplomatic because what if, I think her initial thought was, my husband is now a guy that wears cologne and this is what he's cologne chosen. Cologne Conan. Yeah, and- um, How do I get out is, of this? This is who you are now. You're a yeah, cologne guy. I'm cologne, I'm cologne Conan. And uh, so- she said, oh, and she was, so she didn't have like, oh my God, what the, you know, she just said, oh, a cologne. I said, yes, do you like it? And she was like, um, yeah. And she's being very diplomatic. Oh, how nice. And she's being sweet because this is, you know, Liza's very nice and she's very sweet. And then I started to explain the backstory and she said, okay, because it's really strong. <laughs> and I said, yeah. So then- I start walking around and talking and then uh, like my son comes home and he's like, whoa, what's happening in here? And I realized, okay, I should, I'm going to try and tone this down a little bit. So I got some soap and water and was like washing my throat and my under, underneath my jaw and um, walking around. Nope. 
That jupe was there to stay. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was the equivalent of getting a tattoo. And so then what I didn't realize is that night, sometimes when I fall asleep, I roll over onto my stomach. Uh-huh. So I ground jupe into my pillow oh. and my mattress. And then three days later, I'm still smelling jupe on our sheets. And I think they've been watched, washed. So jupe is not something that you, it's not a decision you can take lightly. My jupe was with me for maybe six, six to seven days. Did wow. you, did you, did it feel like you were in bed with Tracy Morgan? It did. Yeah. And yes. you probably, you enjoyed that. I had a very erotic adventure with <laughs> my pillow. Let's just put what? it that way. Yeah. Huh. Wait, what? Yeah. Speaking of Tracy Morgan. And then, later, and then later on, you see me at a restaurant opening a bottle of wine and it's me with my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> the pillow's sitting opposite me. And I'm I'm going like You leave Liza for your pillow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liza has me followed by a private detective. And he goes, I got bad news for you. He's seeing some slut on the side. And then he she sees pictures of me with my pillow. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's the foam memory pillow. Yeah. That's who he's stupping. <laughs> I take it to dinner. A guy comes by with a violin and he's playing while we're, I'm ordering the best champagne. Move it into an apartment so in the city. Yeah, that's, that's right. I got you all set up in your own special place. With an allowance. <laughs> now, when I brought that jupe in last week, I left only to find that Tracy Morgan, that day a package arrived from him. Yes, this was great. I went home with the jupe, which sounds... <laughs> It does sound like I the clap. You came home with the clap. <laughs> I went to this house of ill repute and I came home with the jupe. Oh, that guy, that guy's lousy with the jupe. <laughs> doc, doc, you got to help me. I got the jupe. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Tracy sent us a bo- sent me a bottle of jupe and a handwritten note. Aww. Really lovely. So you have jupe now at home and in the office. Yeah, yeah, I've got my home jupe and I got my work jupe. <laughs> Juped up. Yeah. You're juped up for days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm all set for jupe. Although Tracy says to really do this properly, you've got to use half a bottle with each oh, application. Oh my God. So I'm really good for four days when you think about it. Oh, Aren't you're you real- four years. Yeah. Whoa. All right. Well, anyway, again, our thanks to Tracy Morgan for showing me this side of life. I didn't know. I think maybe I am a cologne guy now. And if anyone asks, my cologne is jupe. Why? Because you can put it on once and it's there for life. (laughs) Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Supervising producer Aaron Blair. Associate talent producer Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. 
This episode was mixed and edited by me, Brett Morris. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It could be featured on a future episode. Please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Hey, Earwolf, Team Coco, and Stitcher listeners. It's me, Ashley Ray, and I'm here to tell you about a special collection of podcasts in honor of Women's History Month. From TV I Say with yours truly, Significant Others with Liza Powell O'Brien, and Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer, we are excited to celebrate all women who are part of the SiriusXM podcast family. So let's toast to these women-led hosts and listen on Amazon Music.